Thank you so much for filling out that Connect card. We're going to collect these at the end of today's message. Actually, our ushers will pass a basket for you to put this in, as well as any tithes and offering that you bought with you today. You can put it in that basket, or you can uh, give online at mercyvineyard.org. We appreciate your support. Thank you so much. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Is there anybody happy, excited, have joy in your spirit that God has brought you into a new year? That he woke you up this morning? That he blessed you with breath in your body? Am I the only one who is excited about God today? I'm so glad that you're excited to have breath in your body. Listen. Happy Martin Luther King weekend. I want to start off uh, with a scripture that's going to set up this message today, and then we'll dig into it. It's coming from Ephesians chapter number four, verse number one. Ephesians four, verse number one. I'll read it quickly out of the NLT, and then we'll dig into some more scriptures in Ephesians. But it reads from the Apostle Paul, Therefore I, a prisoner for serving the Lord... A prisoner for serving the Lord. (laughs) Beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling. For you have been called by God. Today I want to preach, I'm called for great work. I am called for great work. Father, would you bring clarity? Would you bring direction? Would you bring some more joy? And would you endow us with your love on today? Holy Spirit, would you come? Move in this room. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., had a call on his life. He was called, I believe, by God to be a prophet to the Americas. He was called by God to be the drum major for justice in the Western world. Dr. Martin Luther King uh, stood for these qualities that Jesus has called each and every one of us to uphold, to be a peacemaker, to live a nonviolent life. To be a loving human being, loving every person that you come in contact with, and God. And he called each and every one of us to bring the kingdom, to be a part of, an active participant in bringing God's kingdom from heaven to earth. And Dr. King upheld a lot of this. He upheld his call from God. But understand that all the stuff that Dr. King went through, uh, uh, he was resistant. He was resistant to this call. Because he did not want to be the face of the civil rights movement in America. He, He did not want to be the spokesperson for what needed to be said in this country because he knew the hardness of the hearts of the people here. He knew that if 
He were to be the one to step out, to speak up, to stand up for all the things that God has called all Christians to, that his life would be in danger. He knew that if he would use his voice and be that spokesperson, that his family's life would be in danger. But he did it anyway for the glory of God. Not for any uh, uh, praise or prestige. There was none of that. Not for any riches or, or, or new cars and houses and, and, and fill in the bank account. It was none of that. But it was to honor God and the call on his life. Dr. King didn't search for his call. He didn't go out begging God, would you please just show me what you want me to do? No, his call found him. And you and I today have a call on our lives. And some of us are out begging God. We, we, we want to go on uh, expensive trips to Israel or whoever and, just, and think that God is going to speak in a special place. God, I'm begging you, please, would you just tell me what, what my call is on my life? And God, God says, you get in the right position and I'll tell you. Your call will find you if you're in position to receive it. Everybody, humor me for a second. Take a look at your chair. Everybody sitting in a chair, almost everybody. Uh, you see that chair you're sitting in right now? I, I, want you to, I want you to follow me, follow me, follow me. Ask that chair a question. Look at it. You see that chair? Say, what are you here for? Yeah, yeah, what are you here for, chair? How did that chair respond? It didn't. If the chair responded to you, um, we, you can set up a meeting with me <laughs> after service. You check with Liz. Anyway, the chair did not respond, cannot respond, because the chair doesn't know what it's called for unless its manufacturer tells it what it's called for. Why does a chair exist? Only the manufacturer knows that. You and I know it because we're actually utilizing it, but uh, the manufacturer has to tell it, has to give it its call, has to give it a vision. <clears throat> you see, that chair didn't design itself, therefore it cannot define itself. And each and every one of you have been designed by a divine creator who has not only a purpose, for your life, but a specific call on your life. Now, when we talk about this word call, what is, what is that? A call. The Greek word is kaleo. Kaleo. A call, the Greek word kaleo means an invitation. An invitation from God to do a tailor-specific thing in your life. God has uniquely created you and tailored something for you to do. Last week, we introduced this new series called Purpose, and we talked about what purpose is. Our purpose is the same for every human being. Every human being who's been created has a purpose to glorify God. That is what you exist for. 
But then every human being has a call, a specific call on your life on how you fulfill that purpose. A call assumes a caller. You're not calling yourself, are you? Hey, Gary, yeah, how you doing? Man, I'm good. Come talk to me at the service. A call assumes a caller that there's somebody else on the other line making the call because they have something that they want to tell you. You can only identify your calling when you are connected to your creator. There's a whole lot of people out here talking about, oh, I have this calling. Uh, I was listening to Jeff Bezos. No offense to Jeff Bezos, but he talked about how he made all this money and how that was the calling on his life. Really? Filling your bank account is the calling on your life? Our calling is not to get rich quick or die trying. Our calling is not to have the bigger house or the material things or to even please ourselves. Our calling always leads to glory, more glory to God. So listen, let us look at our scripture where we will spend our time, the rest of our time today, and that is Ephesians chapter number 2, verses 8 through 10. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 10. I'm going to read this from the NIV version, but whatever version of the Bible you have, it is wonderful to have. If you've been in church any amount of time, I would implore you to memorize this verse because this verse is very important, essential to your life. It says, for it is by grace you have been saved. Through faith. And this is not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not by works. So that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork. Created in Christ Jesus. To do good works. Which God prepared in advance. For us to do. Dr. King didn't start out. His journey thinking, oh, one day they're going to have a day for me. They're going to celebrate my name one day. Oh, appreciate that. <laughs> he, he, didn't, he, didn't, he didn't go into this thing saying, man, one day my name's going to be great. One day my name's going to be famous. One day the whole world, they're going to build statues for me. Did you know that Martin Luther King, on, on his death, the month before his death, they, uh, uh, somebody did a poll, I can't remember off the top of my head right now, uh, uh, to see his popularity rating. And I was reading USA Today, and they said Martin Luther King's popularity, or, or, or his unpopularity, he was just, he was actually more unpopular than Donald Trump is right now at his death. Dr. King had over 75% disapproval rating in March of 1968. He was murdered April 4th of that same year. People weren't feeling Dr. King. They weren't trying to get involved. They weren't trying to look and see, oh, man, that guy is setting people free. He's standing up to, to, to oppression. Oh, man, that's so great. No, they're like, will you shut up? It's like, and if you don't show up, we're we going to shut you up. Sometimes your call will get you in trouble. 
He kept doing the good work to glorify God because he wasn't looking for the praise of humans. He wasn't looking for a a day where people will celebrate him. He wasn't looking for money in the bank. He was looking to advance the kingdom of God. So he did the next good thing. We're called to do good works. We're called to, be, to do good works no matter how popular or unpopular they are. So how in the world are we supposed to hear our calling? How in the world can we get a clear calling to know what those good works are? God, I'm just, I, I've been begging you all this time. Will you please just tell me what is the specific tailored call for my life? Well, today, I can't tell you what the tailored call for your life is, but I can tell you from Scripture how to put yourself in better position to hear that call a lot more clear. There are four things that I want to share from you from this text that you can do to put yourself in position to hear your call from God. And number one is to connect. Connect. How many of you have an old cell phone at home? That you're not using. It's just sitting around there, right? You got an old cell phone that that is not connected. It is not, uh, 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 you're not paying the bill. It's just sitting there. I have the original iPhone. Ooh, that's ancient history. Back when rotary phones, right? That's what my daughter would think. I have the original iPhone sitting in a box. For what? It is wasting space. It is getting dusty. It is old. It does not work. It is. It was very expensive in its day. It has all kind of electronic parts, but it is useless without being connected to the carrier. It serves no purpose sitting in a box, not being used. A phone must be connected to its carrier in order to get a signal. It has to have a good service provider. Have you ever had a bad service provider? Yeah, I remember when we moved to Syracuse, New York, me and my wife, we got this apartment over on the south side of Syracuse, and we, we were up on the sixth floor. We, we got in our apartment, and my phone worked well. My wife had another story. She had it. One of those faulty uh, uh, service providers, one of those uh, lesser service providers. I won't call that name, but she couldn't use her phone in our own home. There's a, 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 um, a poet named Propaganda. Maybe you heard of him. He has this line, and he says, we're clueless buffoons that can put a man on the moon, but I still can't get cell phone reception in my room. What God is saying here is that we need to be connected in order to hear him clearly. We've been called to do good works, but in order to receive that call, you got to have signal. You got to have service. So you have to be connected to your provider. How do you do that? It's right here in this text. uh, Verse number eight. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. 
You have been saved or connected to Jesus by your faith. And watch this. It is grace. It is a gift. It is not something you can purchase. It is not something you can earn. It is something that you can receive. You say, Jesus, will you come into my life and make this connection? Because I can't pay a bill that big. Jesus Christ makes the connection in you. You just got to receive it. But watch this. Watch this. He wants you to make the connection to make him Lord. Watch this. You are not connected if he is not Lord of your life. You can, you can imagine that you've said some magic words. You know how we say, if you say this prayer, you are going to be saved in the name of Jesus. We, we sprinkle a little, you know, the Bible don't say nothing about saying magic words to get saved. But every church across America, we think that. I can say some words and not change my life, and I'm good with God. Uh-oh. I'm messing with some theology right now. We, thank you. I appreciate it. We are connected by making Jesus Christ our Lord. What does it mean for Jesus Christ to be our Lord? It means he is your king. It means he is your God. It means he calls the shots. It means when he says, you need to change your life in this area, and you say, nah, I'm not going to do that, check your status. Check your connection. It's getting fuzzy over here. I got to make sure I got enough bars. Not only do we need to be connected, but when we are connected, we need to listen. We need to listen. We need to not only be connected. Connected is good. That's a great place to be. But if your phone is on do not disturb, it's worthless. Take your phone off, do not disturb. Not right now. But when we are connected to Jesus, we need to be listening. Luke chapter 10, verse number, what is it, 27. He says, my sheep, listen to my voice. Watch this. And I know them. And they do what? Follow me. You want to know if you're really listening to Jesus? Are you following him? Are you following where he's leading you? Are you following the scriptures? Are you following what he's doing in your life? Are you listening to him? When we are in prayer, we need to be listening to him. Have you ever been in a conversation with somebody and they just going on and on and on without breathing? It's like, how do they do that? I'm trying to get a word in to contribute to the conversation and they still just going. No offense to anybody in here. I mean, you know, I'm the pastor. I'm supposed to be listening to you. <laughs> but when you keep going and you don't listen, there's nothing you can receive from that conversation. God feels like that. We just keep going on and on. God, I need this. I want this. Give me, give me, give me, give me. God, God, where are you? And God is like, shh, I got something to say. And he speaks in a still, small voice. But you have to be listening. When you're in prayer, take some time to make it a conversation, not a monologue. And listen to what the Lord has to say. Give him space in your life. 
When you, another way to listen is, is to surround yourself with people. This is why our groups are so important. Surround yourself with people who you know hear from God. Because you might miss something. <laughs> and they can say, speak into your life. People who you know who are connected to God. Also, what does God's voice sound like in your life? I asked this question to, to, to our pastoral team. We were prepping the message, and we worked we work through the message on Wednesdays. And I said, who, who does God sound like in your life? One person said, Beyonce. <laughs> Another person said, Morgan Freeman. Right, right. When you hear God, who do you hear? Do you hear you? You know what God should sound like in each one of our lives? His word. And you don't know what God sounds like if you don't spend any time in his word. Anybody can tell you anything. God said this. But if it doesn't line up between Genesis and Revelation, guess what? It is false prophecy. And we got a lot of them around. But if you don't read for yourself, you never know. You never know. You take everything at face value. So spend some time in his word and you'll know what his voice sounds like. You know who else we need to be listening to? Well, how we need to be listening to God? We need to be listening to those who God came for. God speaks through the people he came for. Luke chapter 4 verse 18 tells us who he came for. He said, I came to bring good news to the poor. I came for the incarcerated. I came for the marginalized, I came for the sick. If we're not listening to them and hearing the pain in their voice, how could we ever know what good work to ever do? A lot of us, we listen to the people who have the most money. We listen to the TED Talks of the successful people. The people who have everything, that all the material possessions that we want. And we think that they have made it. And so I'm going to listen to them. The politicians that we want to be like. The, everybody who has the stuff that we want. We think that we should follow them. Jesus said, what you doing for the poor? What you doing for the people out here that have no clothes? What are you doing and how are you listening to the people who are homeless in the homeless encampment? How are you just walking by that person who keeps telling you that they're hungry? Listen to what God is up to. For the third thing, third thing is a word that's probably a curse word in some of y'all's, a uh, uh, couple of your kids' ears. Here it is. <laughs> Obey. Those four-letter words get you in trouble. Obey! <laughs> I don't know what kind of religious background each and every one of you have. I know we have a variety in here. But obedience seems to be a, a bad word for some of us. That we look at obedience, we were taught that if we don't obey, we're going to go to hell. God's going to harm us in some kind of way. God is this angry old man up in the clouds that if, if we don't act right, he's going to throw a thunderbolt at you. Lightning bolt, not thunderbolt. Thunderbolt just makes noise. That ain't going to hurt you. <laughs> Obedience, first of all, if you fail to obey, disobey, don't obey, refuse to obey, guess what? God still loves you. 
there is nothing that can separate us from the love of God. Man, that's not giving you permission to just say, just wild out. Right? We want to become more like Jesus. We want to transform our lives to be more like Jesus. We want to conform ourselves to be the image of God like he created us to be. One of those ways is to obey. Watch this. We are called to obey, and obedience makes our call clearer, right? We are called to obey, watch this, even if we don't agree. Gary's stepping on all the toes today. Listen, I forgot my steel toe shoes. I should have bought them. We are called to obey God even if we don't agree. Let's talk about my boy Moses. Moses did not agree with God. How are you saying that about the best prophet that ever lived? Because the story is written. Moses did not agree with God. God called Moses and told him what to do. He called him through a burning bush. I want you to go to Egypt. I want you to go and free my people. I want you to go to the Pharaoh and have this conversation with him. And Moses said, nope. Moses said, you better find somebody else. Moses said he gave every excuse in the book. I'm not articulate enough. I'm not, uh, I don't have the right skill set. I'm not the right age. Uh, 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 I'm out here. I got my own family now, God. We chilling out here in Midian. I I got a, uh, um, I'm dealing with these sheep. I got a job. You telling me leave my job? God said, yeah. And Moses gave every excuse in the book. But watch this chapter four of, uh, chapter four, verse 19 of Exodus tells us that Moses obeyed anyway. He put his family up on a donkey and he walked them to Egypt from Midian. I want to encourage you that if you disagree with God, if you're reading the scriptures and you disagree with what the scriptures have to say, If you disagree with what the preacher has to say, that's fine. Take a step to just try God out. Say, I don't agree with this, God, but I'm going to take a step closer to you because you said so, and I want you to watch how God blesses your life, how he transforms you, how he works on your heart, how he moves you in a new direction. You want to hear the call of God more clearly? Obey. Obey. Watch this. And when he gives you that call, never underestimate the power of that call. Your call, what he's calling you to right now, may seem insignificant. He might be calling you to stay at home with your kids and raise them in the way of the Lord. And you're like, how is that a call from God? Because he might be raising up the next Moses through you. And he needs you to invest in those kids right now. He might be calling you to just go and feed somebody on a street corner. And that meal, that relationship that will be fostered right there might transform a person's life. That person might go on to transform this whole city. Because you gave them a sandwich. Don't underestimate small things. Dr. Martin Luther King just kept doing the small things. And we look back on his life now and like, oh, that was just so grand. That was so amazing. He he didn't have none of that grand, amazing stuff in mind. He just did the small thing. 
What's God calling me to do now? What's my next step now? What good thing can I do right now? What thing can I involve myself in now that is a good work that will give glory to God? One step at a time. One step at a time. Finally, I'll get out on this one. Is God is calling us to do good. To do good. Verse number 10 of Ephesians 2 says, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he prepared in advance for us to do. This is a powerful verse. Because he says, you are God's handiwork. I don't know who said that bad thing about you. I don't know if your mother or your father discouraged you when you were a kid. I don't know if that teacher told you that you would never amount to anything. I don't know if your best friend walked away from you because you said something that they didn't agree with. I don't know who messed with your mind, but I want you to know what God has to say about you. He says you are his handiwork. You are his workmanship. You are valuable to him. That word means, uh, that Greek word there is poema. You are his poem. You are his artwork. You are majestic. You are beautiful. You are created in the image of God. You are created to look like him, to be like him, to act like him, to rule like him. You are valuable to the king of kings and the lord of lords. Never, never forget that. Don't let anybody say anything or speak anything into your life that makes you feel otherwise. You shut them off. Right? I'm not talking about cancel culture. I'm just saying, bye-bye, baby. You can't talk to me anymore. You are valuable to God. And you're created because of that value. You have been created to do good works with that value. You have to do good. The word do is a verb. English 101, basic, not even 101, first grade. All right. Do is a verb. That means that we need to be active in doing something. Sometimes we're sitting around for years. God, would you just tell me what to do? God says, get up and do. Sometimes we waste 30 and 40 years of our lives waiting for God to show me what to do. But God specializes in hitting moving targets. If you by faith will get up and do something that is good, God will direct your steps. God will allow you to take the next step. Faith, what is faith? Faith is stepping out in the dark not knowing what the next direction is. Faith is not knowing the big picture, not waiting around for God to give this big grand picture. It's God, I know you're going to lead me to the big picture if I just take one more step in the dark. And I might be stepping in the dark not knowing where I'm stepping. <laughs> and I might not feel anything under there. But God, I trust that if I step down, you're going to put me on the right path. And if I should happen to go in the wrong direction, he's going to course correct and put me back on track. Faith. Do good works. So I don't know what God has called you to. You can find what God has called you. You can hear his call a whole lot clearer if you connect with him, if you make sure that you are listening to him and his voice, if you are obeying what he has already said in scripture, and if you are willing 
to take a next step, to do a little bit more good. Do something good and watch God reveal to you the call on your life. Listen, I started out um, in church. I grew up in church, but uh, I didn't know any grand call for my life. I remember uh, as a young kid, the church I grew up in um, was one of them churches that had the set it and forget it uh, sound systems. You know, the church, one, the ones that's going to say, woo, all that kind of stuff, and there's nobody back there. And I remember as a kid, I, I was like, you know, that was just something that kept working on me. That, that was my holy discontent, if you will. And what did I do? I went back there, and I talked to one of the associate pastors, and I said, Look, can I play around with this thing? He said, go ahead. Nobody else doing nothing with it. And so I started volunteering in the church because I saw a need. And I invested myself in that. I invested myself so much into that, I went to school for it. I went to trade school to learn audio engineering and became an audio engineer just so I could help my church. It helped me financially and all that other kind of stuff in other kind of ways. But I did it because I wanted to glorify God. But not only was that calling on my life, I stepped into it. God used that to set me up to go into media. And then I got recognized in media and, and got offered a job as an assistant professor teaching this stuff at Delaware State University. And he just kept improving or elevating my calling because I was willing to take a next step. What is your next step? The only reason I'm pastoring at this church today is because I took a step to do sound in a church back when I was a kid. Because God took a next step in my life, helped me take a next step, next step, next step, till I got to here. This wasn't part of the big plan. I didn't have a big plan. God guided me. Where is he guiding you? What's one thing that you can do today? to take a next step to do some good work. I'm going to ask you to grab your Connect card. At the bottom of your Connect card, there's something that says, My Next Step. The worship team, y'all can come on up. What good has God placed before me to do right now? What good can you do today one thing can you do today that will bring glory to God, that is a good work, that will help somebody else, that will show the love of Jesus to somebody else? Is it buying somebody food? Is it connecting with somebody after church and taking them out for lunch? Is it getting to know someone a little bit better? Is it writing out that plan for, uh, that you've been thinking about all these years? Is it actually taking a step to fulfill that dream that God keeps bringing to your mind? What is it that God is calling you to do? I want you to write that down. If he's given you something to do as your commitment to say, yes, I'm going to do that when I leave church today. I'm going to do that this week. I'm going to engage in that activity. And watch God 
take you to a whole nother level. I'm going to invite the ushers to come. What they're going to do is hand you a basket. You can take that Connect card and put it in that basket and along with your offering, tithes and offering, and pass it on down the road. Give everybody an opportunity to give. You can also give online. And we want to thank you so much for your generosity. Father, we're grateful for all you're doing and all you have done and where you're taking us right now. Clarify the call in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.